0: Hi, I'm Philip Santillan, pastor of Clarity Church, and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen or view this podcast of a message from one of our Sunday gatherings. Before we get going here, I just wanted to communicate to you the deep conviction we have regarding this message. This free message resource is not intended as a broadcast ministry, which would create virtual attenders listening from home rather than getting involved in their local church. We hope that no matter where you are on your faith journey, that this podcast is only supplemental to your relationship with the Lord and in no way replaces the local church that you should be plugged into or the pastor God has put over your life to lead you and care for your soul. So please enjoy this incomplete portion of this past week's gathering. We have prayed that God would use it in a profound way in your life and that from it you would gain clarity on who Christ is. Hey, good morning. Hey, I am so excited to be here with you. How are you today? Are you doing good? You glad to be here? I am so glad to be here. We have a, a, a few guests. I know we have people from Aiken. And anytime we get guests from Aiken, that's just a... And especially from Glory, right? So... Uh, I'm really excited today. We are starting a brand new series entitled The Bridge and if you are visiting us for the first time, uh, let me just welcome you. Uh, We are so glad that you chose to spend part of your weekend with us and of all the options that you have for what you could do with your time. We're really honored that you chose to be here. In fact, um, uh, one of the things that uh, the reasons why we who are Clarity Church work so hard to make all this stuff come together and if you want to figure, if you want to hear about this morning, we had a, a and a crazy situation, our trailer got trapped in and anything, and it was, it was crazy, but God came through, and I, I think he, his providence was came through, and it taught us to, to, to understand more clearly the old phrase that I, sometimes you you'll hear me say, blessed are the flexible for that shall be broken. That's not in the Bible, but it <laughs> definitely sounds like it could be. Uh, but uh, hey, it's, it's one of the reasons why we work really hard to, uh, to do all this for you who are our guest. And for you who are searching for some clarity on who Christ is, and for you who have taken a second chance on church and faith and family, and for you who maybe not took a second chance, but you came with a friend because they promised you lunch. And what we want to do is every single week, we hope to to proclaim who Jesus is and what he's done and what he has for your life in a very clear way. In fact, one of the things we believe is that most people reject Jesus, not because of what they know him to be, but what he has been portrayed as. To be, and one of the things we want to do in our city, in our culture, in the everyday rhythms of our lives, is redeem the reality of who Jesus is. Because if you give Him a chance, He can change your life forever. And so we believe that with all of our heart, mind, and soul. So, if you're guests, thanks for choosing to be with us. So uh, today we're starting a new series called the Bridge. Now, um, uh, to simply put put it, a bridge is a uh, Means of connection, right? It it connects two things, and so we have different kinds of bridges. We have land bridges, which connects two paths that are disconnected because of a gap, or maybe there's something in the way, right? Uh, a musical bridge, right? If you're those of you musicians, a musical bridge is supposed to is supposed to um, is supposed to link one part of the composition to another to complete it, right? Um, a dental bridge. Anyone know what a dental bridge is? Krista, yeah, we know you know what a dental bridge is. <laughs> Anyone know what a dental bridge is, right? It's it's literally it's it literally it's it's the things that bridge the gap between uh, that's created between one or more missing teeth, as we Minnesota calls the hockey smile, right? Minnesota <laughs> That's Danico. Anyone know who he is? That's that's the same picture. He takes it out for the games and he used to play. He takes his Anyways, never mind. I thought that was funny. <clears throat> so bridges aren't just musical expressions or structures or cosmetic fi- uh, fixtures. Uh, many have had bridges in our own lives, if you think about it, that have connected us from one season of life to another. For some of you, it was uh, a swim instructor, a swim instructor who, who helped you go from the kiddie pool you know, where you were you're in a life jacket and you know, you know, and you were holding on to noodles and everything and you know, never letting go of your mom. It went from that and to you know, to, to helping you, bridging the gap between that and to a somewhat okay doggy paddler, right? Right? And so, some of you know what that means. For you, maybe it was a piano teacher that helped you move from going from chopsticks bump, 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 to Chopin, right? And, uh, and so, some of you, some of you remember what those kind of people, those bridges, so to say, between seasons of your life and the impact, you, you, you understand what I mean by that. Now, if you're a follower of Christ, uh, the reality for, for us who believe in Jesus, who trust in him, who are positioning our lives to increasingly learn what it means to submit all of life to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, for us, the reality is that You are, I am where I am, and you are where you are today because there was a means of connection between the gap that we believe sin has placed between us and God. And the Sunday school answer to the question, well, what is that bridge, or, you know, what is that means of connection, is what? What? Jesus, right? The Sunday school, cool. that's the Sunday school answer. Jesus, right? Some of you remember the old uh, evangelism thing where, you know, you had the two ledges. And I, I should have put the picture of And you have God and the, and the person standing at the edge. And there's that gap, right? And the sin. Anyone ever seen that? Anyone had it drawn on a napkin for them? And, and the cross, right? The cross has become the bridge. And so Jesus, uh, Jesus was standing in the gap for us. Now, uh, that is true. And I'm not negating that. But what I want to propose is another answer that, when I say it, it will be obvious, but also unexpected, I think, for some people. Now, before I give the answer, I think it only helps to start at the beginning, as in the beginning of all creation. You see, you, you might know this. In the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. And remember, as you often hear me say, he got to the end of it and he looked at it and he said, it's good. He said, man, I'm good. No, wait. He said, it is good, right? He said, it was good. So it was complete. There was no divide between God and his creation. There was no divide between God and Adam and Eve until what? Until they disobeyed, right? They disobeyed God And they chose to eat from the tree in the middle of the garden. And this original sin created a gap. It created a gap between God and all of creation. Disconnecting all of creation from God's best. That's what we believe as followers of Christ. Unfortunately, and this is why it's called good news... Fortunately, right? God Himself stood in the gap. As some of you, um, you, you, you remember the story of, of, uh, of, you know, Abraham and Isaac, and then you know he went to go sacrifice his son, and Isaac's like, hey, you know, what am i going to do? What are we going to do? There's no ram. And he said, the Lord will provide Himself a sacrifice. It was a kind of a play on words there. He will provide Himself, and we know that God with us, He came, and He went. He came, and He provided Himself. He provided His Son, right? Jesus, in human form, to live as a man, to die for our sins, to rise from the dead, so we could be restored to personal relationship with him. That's what we believe as followers of Christ. This, unfortunately, is the problem, though, is this kind of where, uh, you know, Western, maybe evangelism kind of stops, a lot of times. Um, And this is where people really stop when they think about the gospel, they think of Gospel, sin, Jesus, cross, resurrection, woohoo! Let's go eat some Easter eggs, right? That's kind of where we stop. But the problem is, the resurrection is not the end of God's great story, is it? It's just the plot twist, right? You know what I mean. Satan felt like he was winning, and God said, "We're going to interrupt this program for an important announcement." I'm still God, I still have a plan, and I will make everything in the end, as it was in the beginning, good, right? Now, God sent his son to do the work of the initial bridge between himself and his creation so we who follow Christ can now be the bridge that stands in the gap for those who are disconnected from God. Does it, Do you understand that? God sent his son to do the work, so there's no doing on our behalf, but there is a being for those of us who are the church, who are the body of Christ. We stand in the gap for those who are disconnected from God. Uh, Jesus said it like this, Matthew 17, verse 18, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them, and this is Jesus's prayer in Matthew 17. He's praying to God the Father. He's like, Father, just as you sent me into the world, now I am sending them Who's them? Us, Us, who are followers of Christ, exactly. So today, the bridge that spans the gap between God and his creation is the church. And the church is the followers of Christ who live life as family and servants on mission together with God. And this is why we say that the gospel is not just about my individual happiness or even just God's plan for my life. It's about God's glory and his plan for the world. And the good news is that God is building a family to accomplish this, and he uses this family called his church as a means to connecting those who are disconnected from him. Now, the church as a bridge kind of makes sense. It's the reason why one of our sister churches here in Plymouth, just kind of right down the road, call themselves Hope Bridge Church, right? But here's a question that sometimes no one asks. Can a bridge ever stop being a bridge? Can a bridge ever stop being a bridge? In the most literal sense, we who are Minnesotans know that this can happen, right? The I-35W Mississippi River Bridge was an eight-lane steel truss arch bridge that carried Interstate 35W across the St. Anthony Falls of the Mississippi River. And during the rush hour evening of August 1st, 2007, it suddenly collapsed, right? Some of you remember that. And 13 people died and 145 more were injured. And this bridge was Minnesota's third- busiest bridge and it carried carried well over 140,000 vehicles a day okay it was by all means a successful bridge right now for those driving on it things were going well things were running as they should everything was working except for the traffic of course if you've ever been stuck on that bridge But to those whose jobs were to look after it, was a different story, a much different story. But an investigation by the Minnesota legislature sought to find out why the bridge hadn't been reinforced, given its history.
1: Lack of management and lack of identifying of red flags has darn near brought this department down. We came away from our investigation that these are professionals trying to do their job, but they had some very severe restrictions about you know, what they could do, uh, largely because of lack of money.
0: State officials referred to bridges like the 35W as budget busters.
1: There's a tension between spending money for new roads or new interchanges or putting money into the repair of a bridge. That bridge was standing yesterday, standing today, why won't it be standing tomorrow? The lesson is that you've got to maintain bridges.
0: When bridges fall, people always get hurt. And this really isn't just a truth about literal bridges, this is also a truth about the church that is supposed to be a bridge of support for all who are moving towards god all who are turning to god and all who would someday turn to god but the problem is and you've been in the churches like this and you've seen these and maybe you grew up in a church like this and and you you saw what was coming, and that's why you jetted out, because the bridge was no longer being a bridge. But there's not enough resources ever. There's not enough time, right? I get it. I'm not saying that I have everything figured out, but here's what I do know. Bridges that are not maintained are bridges that will eventually collapse. The things that make a bridge a bridge need to be maintained. And this is what this series is all about. And so, this week, really, my goal is to get you to come back as we talk over these next several weeks about what does it mean to be the bridge. Now, I won't give everything that we're talking away, uh, uh, totally away uh, in these next few weeks, but I, I just, I thought I should an- at least answer this question. It's week one, right? And so I should at least answer this question. What does it look like to be the bridge. And what does it look like when I say the bridge? Well, what does it look like to be the church? Well, you, you've heard heard me say this before in, in one way or another. If, the first is this the bridge is not made up of Lone Rangers. No man is not an island. And even the Lone Ranger had Tanto, okay? <laughs> and he had a horse. Okay. <laughs> Alright, so but there are no Lone Rangers because listen, we strive so consistently for independence as Americans as Westerners. And in our culture, we strive for this independence. I don't need you. You know, I don't, you know, don't, you know like I'm, I'm woman, you know, I, you know, I'm, you know, i the a single lady. i the single lady. i oh, the single. Lady. Oh, the single lady. All right. So we don't need, we don't need nobody, right? So put your hands up. All right. We don't need anybody. And this is what we, this is the culture we fight against. But this is also the truth that the church, this is also the truth. The church is supposed to be a bridge of support for people are moving towards God but we are tempted to believe the lie that spiritual growth is simply just between me and God that it is a personal faith and and don't get me wrong your faith your relationship with God is very personal it should be. It should, it should move you and change you to the very core of who you are. And if your relationship with God is not defined by that type of relationship, please don't stop seeking. Please keep going. Please try to understand Jesus more and more and more. Because listen, Jesus wants to do more than just change your moral behavior or change the, or increase the knowledge of Jesusdom or religious. He wants to literally change your life. And so don't stop. Don't stop. Listen, the scripture tells us over and over and over and over again that the more and more, listen, the more and more we love God, the more and more we love God, the more and more deeply entrenched in community we become. Oh, well, I'm an introvert and I don't... Listen, this is not about introversion. This is simply about love. And whether you're introverted or extroverted, love compels two strangers to become family, right? And so... We're saying, hey, fall in love with God the Father. And here's what will happen. You'll fall in love with his children. You're not going to have to. I know it's awkward. But around here we always say embrace what? Embrace the awkward. So (laughs) you're not going to get away with it anyways. Uh, But listen, it's about love. I'm not asking you to force yourself to be an extrovert. Force yourself to to be a, a very sociable person. I'm just saying, would you learn to love God? And over time, we have the rest of our lives or until God comes back. Will you at least commit to, over time, learning to love God and allowing his love to transform you so that you can become someone who loves others in return? Don't be mistaken. When I say what we look like as a bridge, do not mistake it as a to-do list because then your faith now becomes just a religion and it's now... Uh, it's useless because now it's, your religion is a list of to-dos. But I, I want to cast a vision of what the church should be and could be. But I always want it to be rooted in the idea that we love God first. Does that make sense? Okay, just I want to get that straight. Now, just in case you have a little bit of doubt of what I'm saying, let's just look at Jesus, right? What did he do? He chose 12 men that he spent personal time with when he was away from the crowds. So your faith is 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 personal, but there's still this idea of a community. See, Jesus continually taught the idea that our relationship with God is personal, but it's not private. His teachings are laced with this idea that our love for God is shown by our relationship with others. And I put a couple of verses on there and, uh, underneath that point and I'll just draw a little allusion to it. Some of you know where this is going. And, you know, Jesus said, if you have a problem with someone, apologize or forgive or make it right even before you come to worship him. Right? Get it right. Jesus also said the world would know we are his by our love for one another. That's how the world knows. He also said that the greatest commandment is to love God and the second is equally as important. In fact, they kind of hang on one another. That we love our neighbor as ourselves. For Jesus, listen, for Jesus, how you live your life every day horizontally is not just as important, but it's it's absolutely interconnected with how we live our lives vertically. Does it make sense? So our horizontal lives is just as vital for us being the church, being the bridge, as it is to make sure that our vertical lives are intact and well as and, and intact and, 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 and well. Does that does it make sense? Does that kind of make sense? So for this series, the bridge is the church who are the followers of Christ that live life as family and servants on mission together with God. That is simply what the bridge is. It's the church who are the followers of Christ. Now, if if you're visiting and maybe you haven't believed everything you've heard about Jesus and the Bible, and listen, you don't have to believe any of this, but you've come for a really great series. If you really want to find out what the scriptures has to say about what does it mean to be the church and what does it mean to follow Jesus? And so I just, I just ask you throughout this series, I'm probably gonna, I'm not gonna talk to you too much, but here's what you're gonna find out. You're gonna find out about how amazing the wonderful love of God our Father is to not only restore us to him, but to see that in our lives, we live restored in the relationships of our everyday rhythms. And who doesn't wanna live in restored relationship with the people in their everyday rhythms? And so anyways, for that reason, you should at least... Come back and listen for this series. Now, the church had a great start. Luke was a disciple of Jesus who recorded some teachings of Jesus that talked about God's call towards a life that included others. In fact, let me just read this because if you didn't get the point that our life is about others as followers of Christ, if you're not a Christian, you can do whatever you want. Hey, not judging you there. But if you're a follower of Christ, listen to the call. If you listen to the call, Luke chapter 6. But woe to you who are willing to listen. And Jesus was basically saying, if you follow me, that's you. <laughs> if you weren't mistaken. I say, love your enemies. Ooh. Do good to those who hate you. Oh, Hold up now. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek face, by the way. It might mean the other way. I don't know. We'll have to ask him. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt. Also, give to anyone who asks, and when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. Oh, Jesus, that's a little extreme, isn't it? But listen, Luke is the same guy who not only recorded this teaching, he also recorded... What happened in the early church as they began to take these teachings kind of seriously? And here's what happened. In Acts chapter 2, it says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, which would have been this part of the scripture. This is what the apostles taught, what Jesus taught. And to fellowship. Why did they fellowship? Well, because they got it. Like, well, if we're supposed to love our enemies, well, (laughs) you're a follower of Christ. I probably should at least love you as much as I love my enemies. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, shared meals with great joy and generosity. It means they brought enough to share for everyone, right? Right? All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day, and here's the cool part, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. Now listen, I've talked about this passage a lot um, in in our history of our church. And I'm not going to go back into talking about the history of this and and the exact reason why this is not a passage of scripture that says, yes, we should be socialist or blah, blah, blah. Okay, there's a deeper story. But what is going on here is this is a descriptive passage of what happens when people take the teaching of Jesus seriously. They go from a disconnected, different, diversified, you know, hodgepodge of individuals. And uh, now... There's no uniformity required, but what happens is unity. And so in the diversity of these people comes unity. Because they took the teachings of Jesus seriously. And it's pretty obvious that God was bridging the gap between these people who who were disconnected from him and himself through the community of faith who will regularly get together. How do we know this? Well, because of the end where it says, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It was working. Why? Because people were getting saved. They were placing their trust in Jesus and they were being added to the number daily. This isn't part of my message, but this is just something to to remember. Healthy things grow, right? And so if you like small churches, you might need to check yourself and understand that small churches were never intended to stay small because God's kingdom was intended to always grow. So that's definitely not our heart. While we enjoy this season of our church's life, we do believe with all our heart, mind and soul. If we really are the bridge, the Lord will add to our number daily as those being saved. So they didn't just do church, right? They fellowshiped and they shared meals, they lived life as God was truly their father and they were brothers and sisters. They lived life and treated one another as they were truly family but the other thing they also didn't do is they just didn't do life right cuz sometimes i think well, you know we get so anti-establishment we're like well you know life you know following jesus is just about man it's doing life with each other you know man bro just love one another and you know just hanging out and stuff listen they met in the temples corporately and they met in each other's homes with the goal of remembering And reminding each other what God had done for them through Jesus. That's why they regularly took communion together. Okay, This was the point. There was was a strategic strategy. strategy, I don't even know how to say it. It It was intentional strategy that they had had for their gathering. Right? And they wanted to know who Jesus was. And they wanted to know how to live out what Jesus taught through the apostles' teaching. So they didn't just do life. They did. They didn't just do church, but they also just didn't do life. There was this both. There was a regular rhythm in the early church where they were meeting in large group gatherings and then in smaller group gatherings. And listen, meeting in larger and small group gatherings is not a new idea. We, we use the phrase community. Some of you grew up with small groups. Some of you call them um, ABFs. I don't know. What are some other names? Sunday school. Back in the day, that was kind of a, an awesome way to gather people in small groups and to talk about the Bible and to learn. But this is nothing new. It's just it's just morphed, and, you know, because we're humans and we got to have something new all the time, so we'll call it a different name, and, but it, we're just going smaller, to, you know, bigger, smaller, bigger, smaller. This is nothing new. And getting together in larger group settings and then meeting in a smaller group setting has always, it's always, always, always been a part of what it means to follow Christ. And this is why we encourage everyone who consider themselves part of this local church, not only just to come to our gatherings and worship Jesus with us and and be part of of the proclamation of who God is and, and the encouragement that we try to give each Sunday to people who are following Jesus to continue to follow him and also the good news to people who are looking for it to say, what is Jesus all about? This is why we encourage you to be part of it. But this is also why we encourage you to be part of a community. Now, I can yell and be as animated as I can, but at the end of the day, the stories that people tell are always more powerful, and so I want you to meet F.A.,
1: FA and I started coming to Clarity about two years ago in January 2015. I moved from Tennessee, my family's in Texas. The North Side is my family here. I mean, it really is my family here. So, coming alone on Sunday, I don't think, at least for me, I needed community more than maybe community needed me in some way. So, I needed to find a place where, um, People would know my more than just my face. They would know my name. They would know where I lived. Um, quite frankly, if I were to say my point of emergency contact, it would be someone in the community because my family is not here. So, I mean, that's the truth, you know. But also, in terms of my spiritual walk, I felt, even if I was serving just on Sunday, the level of depth of relationships that are required for What Jesus prayed for, that they may be one as the Father and I are one, would not be possible for me at all. So, and back to the notion of just coming on Sundays, right? There are some things you can't say after service to someone who's sitting next to you in church that are so deep that you know you need support with, that you can actually do when you sat across someone and had a meal with them, right? You may not feel, you may feel less inclined just in a public gathering to talk about some of the ways that the church can literally stand in the gap for you, right? So I think about everybody in our group at one time or another, including myself, have had to ask for what we call heart-wrenching intercession for various needs. Filling the blanks, whatever they are, and so clarity or the Northside community that I'm a part of, that is a very active thing that goes on. Because um, yes, our faith needs to be lived out, but ultimately, all power to live out this life of our faith comes from start. It should start with prayer and intercession, which is um, which, by the grace of God, is what we. We do, whenever we come together, you know, whether you're there or not, someone, I mean, you are there either by being mentioned by name. I was gone for six weeks. (laughs) I mean, I I really was gone for six weeks at the end of 2016, but I mean, I did receive a gift in the mail and I was so blown away. It was a care package that came from Northside community group that I was not expecting. And that was just one way that I knew that I was on everyone's hearts. And it meant a lot to me. yeah. Thanks. Don't make me cry. <laughs> Don't make me cry.
0: Yeah, so the question is why be involved in a community? Well, I just want to give you two reasons. And then let us go and hopefully invite you to come back as we talk more about the bridge. What is this bridge? Is this church? But two reasons I think are really simple. One, one is the reason is this. Friendship and support are, are found in community. Like friendship, true friendship. And support are found in community. During one of Jesus' teaching, he offered this incredible insight into life that I, I hope you find inspiring. <laughs> it says this in Luke seventeen one. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to stumble are bound to come. I don't know if he really talks that way, but, (laughs) but woe to anyone through whom they come. And that's so good. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Hey, you, yeah, you, you're going to stumble. It's bound to come. I mean, Jesus was intelligent to recognize that there are things in life that are inevitable that will cause us to stumble. Have you ever felt like you were stumbling along in life or that you were just stumbling along in your faith? Jesus says, hey, those are, that's bound to come. I'm telling you. Whoa, to you. Have you ever been walking around minding your own business and then you trip on something on the ground? Have you ever, anyone ever done that? Just me, right? Some of you, you trip over that yellow thing every Sunday. Every Sunday. You know it's there. You still trip over it. Don't know why. It's yellow, Okay? We even used to put lights under it, and you'd still chip over it. And, and the funny thing is, every time someone would chip over it, they would look back. It was like, what did I chip over? Or like, you know, like, is a leprechaun going to laugh at me or something? They're like, you know, ah, <laughs> I saw you. Um, yay. But listen, eventually, things will come up that we don't see, and they will cause us to stumble. And if we could see them, we wouldn't stumble over them. But that's the point. We won't see them. And as smart as you are, and as spiritual as some of you are, or maybe as much as the Bible that you think you know, listen, it is impossible. Say that with me, impossible. Impossible. It's impossible to make it through life without coming across things that cause us to stumble. And Solomon, the wisest man, besides Jesus who ever lived, wrote something incredibly practical as it relates to this topic, and he said this. In Ecclesiastes 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the fool who, (laughs) but pity anyone, sorry, I can't read that verse without doing that. But anyone who falls and has no one to help, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Solomon didn't give us specifics. He's just kind of creating a metaphor for life by saying that when you stumble in life, if you're walking with someone, listen, they can help you up. And if you're going to be serious about making the most of what you've been given, there's no better answer than to build relationships with a group of people who know you. Because here's, here's the reason. I mean, this is, this, is, this is it right here. It is easier to stumble away from God than it is to stumble out of community. It's true. It's easier to stumble away from God than it is to stumble out of community. Some of the most difficult emails and phone calls that I get, listen, they're from people who have stumbled and they're looking for help, but they haven't built any relationships with anyone that can help them. I get... Phone calls and emails from strangers who are in desperate situations. My heart is breaking for them. And I ask them, you know, you believe in Jesus? Yes, I'm a Christian. Well, where, what church are you a part of? Well, you know, I haven't. I mean, I know what we have done just for our own family members. We buy washers. We help them get cars. We help them look for cars that eventually break down. And we help them buy new cars. I mean, we, we take care of them. They get stuff stolen out of their car. We help them. We support them. This is what we do with our own family. And like, I'm listening. Why, don't, why aren't you involved in a family? You, you forgot that it's inevitable that times are going to come and you're going to stumble. And listen, if you don't have anyone to help you up, woe to you. You, you missed out. And listen, community is like a retirement savings if you wait too long, right? If you wait too long to invest, there won't be anything when you you need it. And see, spiritual growth, and here's the second thing, and it's kind of related to spiritual growth. The reason why you should be in a community is this, because spiritual growth happens best in community. Best in a community living life as family, as servants on mission with God. And discipleship, and the reason why this is is because discipleship is the process where believers help one another become better followers of Christ. It's the only way it can happen. I, you don't help each other in rows. You don't help each other become better at following Jesus in rows. You don't become better just because I spit on you and, and do a little dance for you and tell you about the Bible. That's not, I'm, I'm well aware, I've been doing this long enough to know, you don't become a better disciple because of that. And a gathering is a place where the gospel is spoken out, but a community is a place where the gospel is rehearsed and it's lived out. A gathering is a place where prayers are given, but a community is the place where you learn to pray one another. This is why the reader, writer of Hebrews said this, Hebrews 10, 24, 25, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. So this is not a new thing by the way. <laughs> people not meeting community. But encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We believe spiritual growth best happens in community. God didn't design us to live in isolation or to walk in our faith alone. And God intends his people to live and thrive as disciples of Jesus in the context of a community growing in the gospel and on mission together. It's this type of community that discipleship most easily happens because it is the context where we at least are falling forward trying to learn what it means to live life on life life in community, and life on mission. And this life doesn't happen in rows. It doesn't happen sitting in cold steel chairs. I believe the health of the church is not in the size of its gatherings, but in the way it multiplies disciples in its communities. And the bridge is the church who are followers of Christ that live life as family. And servants on mission together with God. Jesus said this Now I say to you who are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Don't be mistaken, Jesus built the church, He started it. But we must commit to maintaining what the bridge is actually made of. What makes the bridge the bridge? Because God established it. And this series is all about understanding what the bridge is. Let me pray for you.